sleep, his thoughts and sensations befuddled by drowsiness. Cut off from the rest of the world, the atmosphere was that of a nightmare. Had the man above him just raised himself up on his elbows and leaned over to try and get a look at his companion? Maigret, meanwhile, didn't dare move. The half-bottle of Bordeaux and the two brandies he had drunk in the dining car lay heavy in his stomach. The night was long, Whenever the train stopped at a station, there was a babble of voices, footsteps in the corridors, doors slamming. It felt as if the train would never get going again. It sounded as if the man was crying. There were moments when he held his breath, then suddenly there'd be a snivel, and he would turn over and blow his nose. Negre regretted leaving his first-class compartment occupied by the elderly couple. He dozed off, woke up, and drifted off again. Finally, unable to stand it any longer, he coughed to steady his voice and said, Monsieur, would you kindly try to keep still? He felt embarrassed because his voice sounded much sterner than he had intended, supposing the man was ill. There was no answer. The tossing and turning stopped. The man must have been making a huge effort to avoid making the slightest sound, and it suddenly occurred to Maigret that it might not be a man after all, but a woman. He hadn't seen the person who was wedged between the bunk and the ceiling, and the heat must be suffocating up there. Now Maigret tried to turn down the radiator, but the control knob was jammed. It was three o'clock in the morning. I really must get some sleep. Now he was wide awake. He had become almost as jumpy as his fellow passenger. He listened out. Here we go. He's at it again. And Maigret forced himself to breathe regularly and count sheep in the hope of falling asleep. The man was definitely crying, probably someone who had been to Paris for a funeral, or vice versa, a poor soul who worked in Paris and had received bad news from back home, his mother ill or dead, or maybe his wife. Maigret was sorry he'd been harsh with him. You never knew. Sometimes they hitched a special hearse wagon to the train. His thoughts turned to his sister-in-law in Alsace, who was about to give birth Three children in four years. Maigret slept. The train halted, then moved off again. It clattered over an iron bridge, making a terrible racket, and Maigret was suddenly wide awake. Then he froze at the sight of two legs dangling in front of his nose. The man was sitting on his bunk, meticulously lacing up his shoes. It was the first thing that the inspector saw of him, and despite the dim light, he noticed that they were patent leather shoes. His socks, meanwhile, were grey wool and looked hand-knitted. The man paused and listened. Had he noticed the change in Maigret's breathing pattern? Maigret started counting sheep again. It was all the more difficult because he was intrigued by the hands tying the shoelaces. They were trembling so badly that it took the man four attempts to tie the bow. The train shot through a small station without stopping. All that could be seen through the curtain fabric were the lights flashing past. The man was coming down. This was slowly turning into a nightmare. Why couldn't he descend in an ordinary fashion? Was he afraid of being rebuked again? His foot groped for the ladder for ages. He almost tumbled from the bunk. Then, keeping his back to the inspector, the man left the compartment without bothering to close the door and headed for the end of the corridor. Had it not been for the open door, Maigret would probably have turned over and tried to go back to sleep, but he had to get up to shut it. He looked up and down the corridor. He just had the time to throw on his jacket, not bothering with a waistcoat. 
for the stranger had opened the carriage door at the far end of the corridor. It was not by chance he had opened it just as the train was slowing down. They were passing a forest. There were a few clouds illuminated by an invisible moon. The brakes squealed. The train had slowed down from eighty kilometres an hour to around thirty, perhaps even less. The man jumped off and slipped down the embankment, then vanished in the darkness. Maigret barely stopped to think. He leapt. The train was going even slower now, so he wasn't in any danger. He landed on his side and rolled over three times, coming to rest by a barbed wire fence. The train's red light moved off, and the clatter of the wheels grew fainter. Maigret stood up. He hadn't broken any bones. His companion's fall must have been much harder, for he could see him fifty metres away, still struggling to get to his feet. This situation was ridiculous. Maigret wondered what instinct had prompted him to jump off the train while his luggage continued on its way to villefranche en dordogne He didn't even know where he was. He could see nothing but woodland.